Welcome to Behind the Smoke Podcast, Barbecue War Stories. My name is Sean Walchef with Cali Comfort Barbecue. We are recording above the butcher shop, Valley Farm Market, with my man Derek Marceau. And we have our first ever repeat guest on Behind the Smoke, none other than our good friend, Sam the Cooking Guy. What's up, fellas? By the way, I did not know I was the first repeat guest. You're the first, first one. one. No pressure. We didn't want to tell you until we went live. Do not I fuck it up. I would have <laughs> brought presents. All right. No, we uh, we, we had to had to bring you back, man. You're you're doing some exciting things. We wanted to yeah, check up and make sure um, things are going well for you. We yeah. we're excited about your uh, your newest venture, and uh, thanks. It's it's been from what I've heard received very well. Yeah. And my you know my family's gone multiple times. And yeah, thanks. The guys have gone, thanks, and thanks. it's uh, it's been pretty cool. Yeah. So, um, how's it been going for you though? What, what's uh, uh, it's, Be- it's, before we get there, yeah. you were here in November and you told us you weren't opening in a restaurant on the last podcast. You were here in November. We had episode 31, Sam, we asked you about it. We're like, you know, so I wasn't so- lying. I was not lying then. This is, <laughs> so here's what, so we're, we're talking about my place called not, not tacos in the little Italy food hall. Mm-hmm. There's six restaurants in there. I, I'm one of them. And I keep going, people come in and they go, congratulations. I go, I know. Congratulations. I had a baby restaurant. <laughs> 250 square feet um so here's what happened the the guys that developed the little italy food hall uh approached me and said look uh, we're gonna open a food hall it's gonna happen and um would you be interested in being like the face of it for our marketing you're 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 tv savvy you're radio savvy you do the interview thing all the time you've got a great following in san diego and uh you're you're, you're essentially food agnostic Right. You're not tied to any, you're not just known for Italian or Greek or whatever sure. or Bulgarian, yeah, <laughs> whatever the hell that would be. Yeah, absolutely, Bulgarian's so, got some good food. Apparently, it's got a lot of great barbecue. Yeah. So I said yes, uh, and as we're working out what those details would be, we have a brief conversation one day about uh, uh, what restaurants they might be looking to put in there, and they're mentioning some stuff. Are these like San Diego natives? Sa- uh, the group. Oh, they're well natives, or are they a San? They're San. They're San Diegans, absolutely. Literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I know like three San Diego natives. Yeah, you guys might be. This is grain, grain and grit, grain and grit collective. Yeah. Okay. So um, while we're having that conversation, asking you know, talking about what restaurants, I go. I've had this idea in my head for a little restaurant for one. They go, "What is it?" And I go. I call it uh, Gringo Tacos. And they <laughs> I like that. They go, so, did, so did I. I like um, Gringo Tacos. Though we decided that, you know, there's every potential. You could piss people off on either side of the border <laughs> with a name like that. So sensitive nowadays. So sensitive nowadays. Yeah. And I only meant to imply uh, not Mexican-inspired tacos. Right. But you can see how people would get pissed. Absolutely. So they go, well, what, what does that even mean? And I go, here's what it means. It means nothing Mexican. Um, things like, and you guys have seen the menus, right. things like pastrami and meatloaf and uh, Asian salmon and, and curried egg salad and short, Korean short rib, that kind of stuff. And they go, holy shit, that could actually work. So we start talking about this. And they go, what do you think? You like the idea? And I go, look, I love the idea. I get asked probably two or three times a week if I'm going to open a restaurant. Including back in November for you yep. guys. Right. If I don't get asked the question, I think the question to myself. And I'm not trying to be like a hero and it's not an ego thing and I got a bigger dick and I'm going to open a restaurant and show everybody <laughs> what the fuck I can do. Sure. It was none of that. 
it was just that there's not it's not like a validation thing but anyway i had this idea and i liked it and so as i'm telling them this they go wow this could work out and i go but here's the thing i know what i can do well running a restaurant is not one of the things i believe i can do well nor is it something i want to necessarily do i don't want to be behind the line cooking all day long Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to be there opening up the door at 7 a.m. doing inventory. I don't know how much, you know, pastrami you'd ordered today. So <laughs> I don't run out, but also so I don't have too much that we're just fucking giving this stuff away with a special, you know, next weekend, that kind of thing right. where it's going bad and we're throwing it out. Mm-hmm. So they go, look, we have a, you know, a modest, small, but hoping to grow restaurant group. We might be able to take that part of it off your hands. You do the stuff you do. And we can do the stuff we do. So a, a couple of really significant conversations later, we came to an agreement and, and we said yes. And then it went from that to, you know, when we opened up uh, on the, the 12th, fairly quickly, um, we did a bunch of tastings at my 12th house. of July. 12th of July. Yeah. Bunch so of tastings at my house. It was unique because typically when you're opening up a restaurant, you're not opening up six different restaurants. No. At the same time. Yeah, you're right. So... You're right. so Look, it's a, it's a it's a good group of restaurants that are in there. It's a great variety. I love the idea of a food hall. And, you know, I had to explain this to somebody the other day, a really good friend of mine that could not understand the concept of a food hall. I go, you know what a food court is? He goes, of course. I go, okay, it's a food court. Just call it's it that. Better, but it's a, it's a better, better version yeah. of a food court. There's not a, a subway in there. There's not a, a Panda, Panda Express. Express. Not that there's anything wrong with those places. Look. We've all eaten a shit ton of orange chicken from Panda Express <laughs> late at night with the right, you know, whole thing. We love that stuff, right? Yeah. But it's not that. They're generally considered to be um, slightly more unique food, slightly more elevated, uh, more localized, not national in any sense. So that's what happened. And six restaurants open on the 12th. We had, you know, the Monday before, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, we had friends and family. And... Um, it was for us it was it was really important because we had to learn how to make a lot of tacos at once yep the concept was new uh, i'd not run a restaurant before though i have great people there making sure that the right things are happening none of the cooks had made my stuff and uh, we had not been pushed to many many people coming in and ordering like like that the other restaurants in there had a very limited menu each you know, Wicked Maine Lobster, they were, do, for the friends and family, they were doing their big-ass lobster rolls. You just walk up free, here's a big-ass, big beautiful it lobster roll. Um, they might have been doing chowder or something that they do well, but um, we had our whole menu going. Oh, wow. So you could just walk up and you could say, I want a pastrami taco, I want one of these, I want one of those, give me two of those. That forced us to get into, into fight mode, right? Absolutely, how we do this well because you can add an egg on top of that pastrami yeah, taco. by the way have the pastrami taco and have an egg on top because that's really the best way to have it you put an egg on anything i think it'd be outstanding on the meatloaf i think it'd be crazy delicious on the korean short rib but you also have to be able to make that egg you have to be able to make that egg you also have to be able to make the tacos my way and my wife said to me in the beginning <laughs> i don't know that you can handle a restaurant and, and i said why and she goes because you hate it a <laughs> Uh, when people don't eat your food right away. I've walked up to people in the food hall that I've seen sitting with my tacos in front of them and said, why aren't you eating? They're hot right now. Get them. And they go, we're waiting Get for our friends it. to come. 
you know, with their pizza from Ambrosio 15. Right. We're, we're, taking, go, we're taking our Instagram photo. I go, forget the friends. Right. Forget the friends. <laughs> Try the tacos. Please. Just get one bite in of each of them. <laughs> then you can wait for your friends. So she goes, there's, there's that. And she goes, and are you going to be okay? She goes, this is my real concern. With people making your food your way. Will they do it? Will they put the the crispy panko on that Korean short rib with green onion the way you want? Are they going to make the pastrami the way you want? That's the stuff. The answer is no right away. But <clears throat> the answer is absolutely not right away. And yeah. honestly, Derek, the week before we even started Friends and Family, as the cooks were learning my food and making it, it was a it was a roller coaster week. It was like one day it was amazing. I'm just wow, they're turning out this stuff and it's looking good. Granted, they were only making a, a handful at a time. Well, let, let's get a and then, pro- then a proper idea of how big this space is because it's unbelievable the amount of you have eight eight people on the line. No, 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 no. Now was that just not was that just opening day? That was just yeah. We okay. We couldn't do it. I without, could, I don't know how you did it. No, it was I don't insane. Know how, it was insane. No. We now it's, we're it's now a basically small, small space four people. Uh, four people handles it beautifully. What's the square footage on just that booth? Oh, I don't know, two hundred and thirty. Wow, yeah. it's tiny. It's 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 Derek a, it's and I a, would, Derek and I would take that. Whole it's a half a bedroom. <laughs> I, you know, when you walk, he'd be Derek would be on the line, and you know, people come behind you and they go behind. There's no behind for him. He's got the whole place. He'd Sorry, have to go around. You'd have to go. You'd have to open your legs and crawl through. It's tiny, which right. creates some HR issues. <laughs> You're not kidding. What? Uh, how many seating? What, what, what's the seating like? I think inside will hold uh, uh, like seventy-five or something. So the entire- and then there's the big bar, right? So there's the little, little food hall bar. It's probably forty-seven hundred square feet. Twenty there, yeah, forty-seven hundred square feet. And think then, so there's six restaurants in there, and then the the common space. Do you do all the prep there? <sighs> yeah, we do. Jesus Christ, it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. We're buying short rib. We're trimming it. We're freezing it. We're cutting it. We're making the the curried egg salad there. We're, I mean, you know. so you had some growing pains having them do it right. Yeah. So it, what the, we the did, what we did, you know, uh, one of the guys in the group, a really great guy named Howard Solomon, that was the vice president of Phil's for yep. four years, opened up forty restaurants, including the Hard Rock downtown when it first happened. Um, did this drill? So they the, did. You the, know Howard before? Did not. You did not. No. Oh, so no. he was with uh, with the hospitality group. Uh, yeah, they brought him on for two reasons: one, to inboard all of the the other restaurants, mm-hmm. uh, help them out equipment wise, stuff like that, but then be there for us. Yeah. So now he has nothing to do with anybody else except not not getting the 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 place set up, the procedures, the policies, the. The ordering, the, the the stocking of shelves, how we make sure we've got enough short rib ready to go. You're not going to run out. We were running out of stuff. One of the first days I put up an Instagram, you know, sold out on the Korean short rib, which, you know, looks great and is fun, mm-hmm. you know. But if we, you know, we close at 10 o'clock during the week and 11 on weekend, you got 40 minutes to go before you close. You run out of something. I'm fine with that. Sure. Yeah. Two o'clock in the afternoon, we get caught with your pants down. It's not okay. It's not a very good thing to do. You can't, you know, no. Sean, be running out of ribs. Friday night at six o'clock. Friday night at six ribs, o'clock. That's a, for a barbecue place, that'd yeah. be terrible. I, drove, I don't want I to drove run. from Escondido to come have these ribs and you don't have them. <sighs> right. Like, I'd, be, I'd be bummed. Yeah, I'd right. be bummed, right? So we're getting that part figured out. But Howard did this thing. So the food hall has, you know, porters that basically clean inside, outside tables, stuff like that. And ambassadors. 
that are there to make sure that things are happening right. You know, the Piazza has been licensed for beer and wine. Which is really cool. Which is really cool. And our little, uh, the food hall outdoor seating area, you can have hard alcohol there. But you can't take the hard alcohol, at least for now, into the rest of the Piazza. So the ambassadors are there to make sure that they answer questions. Where do I go? They know a lot about uh, Little Italy in general and the area to help, you know, uh, uh, visitors and tourists. But also make sure, so you, you know, that margarita's got to stay back in that area. Who's paying them? Who's Which payroll are they the on? Food hall. Food hall. Yeah. So so Howard took would line up 20, 25 of the ambassadors and the porters. And make them come through the line ordering whatever they want. He actually had cards made up. He'd say, order this. You'd, you'd, get, a, you'd get like a little uh, note card in front of you. And it would say, two Korean, two Korean short rib, uh, one no green onion. Right. So he was testing all these, right? And then they would order and they would just take their plates when they were handed them. And we'd put them on the table and we'd stand after the 20 or 25 had gone through. And we'd dissect. That looks like shit. That looks fantastic. But those two salmon tacos on the same plate, salmon's got to be the same size. So, A, it's important that the person who's cutting the salmon gets that right. But also, if you're putting two on the same plate, if one's, for some reason, an odd-sized giant piece of salmon, which it shouldn't be, you know, let's make sure that two people sitting beside each other get what looks like the same damn thing. You're going to put 40 ribs on one guy's plate and 20 on another. You're going to have a problem with that. Big time. That's the thing that got me out of doing... um, uh, cooking demos, cooking classes at cookware stores where I wasn't in charge of the staff. I remember, the, do you remember a place called Great News? Great News was great. Great News. Great Worst news. name for a cooking store ever. <laughs> ever. But they started off as a card shop. They were so successful for But a they long were really time. successful yeah. for a long time. And they did cooking classes. And the first ones I did were there. But I remember being there one night. And it was a salmon dish that I was making. I would cook a whole salmon and hand it to their assistants. And they would plate it. As I'm standing there watching the plates go out, beautiful plate, plate right behind it, messy sauce all over the side, tiny little piece. Somebody got screwed right beside a huge piece going side by side at the tables. And I said, you know what? The classes are always full. People are coming, hopefully, to see me. They have an expectation about, will I be, you know, like I am on TV? My food will taste like. But what my food looks like, I now could not fucking control. Yeah. And I said, I'm done. I, I, you know, whatever that particular night was, I said, I'm done. And I will now do classes myself where I can control the whole thing. And I, I guess I went all Martha Stewart but on me yeah. or, or Gordon Ramsay or whatever. But you guys understand this. You're in the food business. You know what the customer wants. You know what they have expectations for. And having somebody show up and liking my personality wasn't enough. Right. I, the food, I have expectations of how it looks, how it's presented, how it's played, the whole damn thing. So. You have to protect your brand. You yeah, really, really, really do. Yeah. We, we talk about it, and it's very, very important to be consistent and yeah. have because people expect us. You know, when they come here, we got um, you know best barbecue in San Diego. We just got an award, and if I can't put that out all the time consistently, we're going to do a disservice to that person that comes later and, and gets a, a dried out tri tip or something like that. Right, it cannot happen. Yeah, and call me what you will, but I'll be damned if I go out there and shit isn't right. And, you know, again, we're working the, with the procedures and the same type of concept, but we always talk to them, like, do not put out a product that you would not eat. If right. you would not eat it, I'll lose the money. I'm fine. Do not put that out just to get it out, just to kind of finish your job. Like, you have to have some type of pride in what we're putting out. I would rather take an extra minute 
or two to make sure it goes properly to the customer and looks the way it's supposed to look. Look, there's that stupid expression, you eat with your eyes. You know, I made a t-shirt. I was in the business cooking on TV about, you know, two months and I made a t-shirt that said, whoever said you eat with your eyes is an idiot. I eat with my mouth. And I thought it was being funny. And it might have been amusing. But of course, you don't eat with your eyes, but you see when the plate hits in front of you, shit's got to look right. And if there's sauce all over it, you know, or if whoever hands the plate to the server has got rib sauce on their gloves, it's now on the bottom of the plate. And the person, that's a bummer too. It can look good, but if it's all jacked up underneath, that's not good. You don't want that. Take an extra minute. Make it look perfect. I think that's important. One of the things, once we started doing our cooking demos in the beginning, yeah. you know, we would have Gene come and put on a Kansas City Barbecue Society class at the yeah. restaurant. And, yeah. you know, the amount of knowledge that he has and the wealth of this is how you're supposed to do your turn-in box. This is how you're supposed to prep your pork butts. This is how mm. you're supposed to do your brisket. It's one thing, but what I realized early on was it's one thing to run the class. It's another thing to help interact on a hospitality side with the people that are actually attending that class. And it's kind of like what you said, if you depend on other people to do that, you know, we needed to bring in Derek Walls, who was our pit master and actually could assist Gene and do things so that while he was actually presenting the class, he could present the information and he didn't have to do that that section of prep, yeah. you know, he yeah. could, we could pass that off. And then bringing Derek on yeah. as a butcher yeah. gave us a depth to the cooking class where now you have the butcher and you have the barbecue expert that are able to go and talk about, you know, different aspects, which is the whole reason you're doing a cooking class. You know, you want to make it an educational experience for uh, people. 100%. Look, the, you know, I mean, whenever I've done a cooking class, as much fun as I like to have, and I want people to come and be entertained and I'm, you know, I'm stupid on TV. I'm no different in real life, right? Very you don't have true. to agree so quickly, man. <laughs> very, Derek, very, just, very true. Derek just very nodded true. his head like He's, I said. Uh, Do you want like a, you know, an 800 pound steak? <laughs> <laughs> I am stupid yeah. on TV, and I people come with, I suppose, some expectation of that. Mm-hmm. But at the heart of what I do is, is teach. Whether it's TV, whether you're laughing or not, you may not realize I'm teaching, but I'm teaching. I remember my first videos I did, uh, it was Fox 5, which is now CW or something. It's not Fox anymore. It hasn't been Fox for a long time. They would come to my house. They would shoot four or five videos, go back, edit them down to like 90 seconds. And I was only doing 90 seconds a couple times a week on TV. And I'd go to the station, I'd review them, and I'd say, you know, um, you missed missed the point where I, I, I get my whisk out and I, you know, do this here. And the guy goes, there's really no time for that. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, there's a funny moment here. I go, I appreciate what you're saying about keeping the light and stuff. But if you don't get that step, it's an important step to miss. It's got to go in. And he's like, but these are, I go, you can't, no, no, there's no, these are, I mean, I don't know what you're going to say. These are funny or they're enough the way they are. It's important that people understand how to make that, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And they didn't get it half the time. And I, yeah. I, I quit that station because... Because they, because well, the general manager was a shithead. Yeah. So how many, <laughs> how many different tacos do you guys have? We have, not, not we have eleven. Eleven. Yeah, wow. we have eleven. How many prep items? <laughs> I think Howard's counting. <coughs> Eighty-six. Well, I don't know. It's something crazy. Fifty. 
Well, I'm I'm so happy that you have someone like Howard. I was yeah. lucky enough to meet him and his wife uh, because we did a California Restaurant Association um, where they go. It's a fit program where you go to a high school yeah. and talk to their culinary students and kind of give them a real life. Real hey, life. This, this is what really happens uh, yeah. in restaurants. But I met them. They came out to the restaurant and something, you know, where I was just I expected to spend a half an hour with them just kind of talking about what we were going to talk about. We sat at the table for four hours. I was just so fascinated with his background and he's a great what guy, he did with Phil's. He's, he's been, um, yeah. And his focus on systems and the company that they're building now on hospitality. And there's so many things, so many moving parts. I guess, what was your, what was some of the biggest things that you didn't expect um, that were difficult in opening up that you had never thought you even um, have to worry about? Well, I, I, you know, despite what my wife said, I think <laughs> getting people to cook my stuff uh, the way I wanted it cooked was a big deal. That was a big deal. The organizational aspect. And that will always be a big deal. Yeah. The organizational aspect, the prep. The I, checklists. I mean, the checklists, the storage, the this, the that. That kind of stuff is, has really blown me away. And that is the key to doing what we do, especially in such a, a tight, tight space. Um, but you know what? Look, I've said it in a, a, you know, for a long time. I don't know how to run a restaurant. And I have learned so much. I'm just saying to people out there, if you sit in a place, I feel like we may have talked about this. If you're in a restaurant and you're sitting there, you go, this place is packed. And I'm eating lasagna and it's the worst lasagna I've ever had. Honey, your lasagna is 10 times better. Imagine how busy we'd be if we had your lasagna in a restaurant. That place on the corner has gone out of business six times now. Let's lease it and we'll make an Italian place with your lasagna. <coughs> That's the biggest mistake you can make. I have food experience. I'm in the business now with experts. And I'm telling you, it is hard as F yeah. to do this. You do not take the restaurant business lightly or you'll just get chewed up and spit out. The margins are so small. Yeah. And your P&L has to be on point. If it's off by a percentage or yeah. two, you're fucked. Yeah. You, you, you cannot run an inefficient restaurant. You cannot. And you know what? We've tasted a lot of product. And I'll tell you, the, gr the group that I'm with, Howard and the Grain and Grit guys, this is what they say. You tell us what you want. We'll make that happen, which is which is really rare. I have a friend in a not same business, but a similar kind of relationship with partners that he goes, I, I've decided not to do anything with them because it was not going to be like that. And I could tell right off the bat. But, you know, we tasted a lot of product to get to the stuff that we want. And we're putting out a really great product. We've got good stuff. We're really cooking there. I mean, you know, most of the other guys, apart from the Main Street guy, well, roast is cooking and stuff. But we're like cooking at the moment, you know, making your food right then. You can't make, you can't make a short rib, uh, Korean short rib taco uh, an hour before somebody comes in. Mm -hmm. Somebody, one of my friends said, why don't you just cook a whole, like we take the marinated <laughs> short rib that's raw out of the, out of the, you know, the pan, throw it on the flat top, right? And we cook it right then. And it goes into a warm tortilla that we cook from raw. And one of my friends said, why don't you, can't you just take a pan, fill it up with a cooked short rib, and then just take that? I go, no, it wouldn't be anything that I would want to serve like that. There are certain things you can do that with, right? Mashed potatoes, of course, they're warm and they're, and they're ready. The egg salad, yes. But that kind of stuff, no, I'm not doing that. We were looking at salmon, trying different salmon all over the place. We ended up, our salmon comes from Catalina Offshore. But some supplier handed Howard a box of salmon one day to bring for us to look at and, and taste. And in this box were like, I don't know, like six ounce portions of cooked salmon filet with like the grill stripes on it. 
I go, what the fuck is that? He goes, well, it's nothing we're going to use. I go, who's using that? And he goes, you know, like maybe some little small golf course, you know, at the ninth or 10th, whatever hole. You'd be surprised you know. how many people use pre-cooked. I mean, you go to any Mexican restaurant or any Mexican little taco shop. Yeah. 90% of their like carne asadas are pre-cooked and, and diced. So they just get it and put it on a hot. Um, just to warm it back up. Yeah, just what, what um Flat top. Flat, flat top. top. Yeah. They put on the flat top, put some seasonings yeah. in it, spray a little like juice, the au jus yeah. on it to get the juices going, and they put it in your, in your carne asada burrito, and that's all. That's what you get. Same thing with chicken. And I mean, I, I could never do that. I could never do that. No, we're making, you know, the meatloaf that we have, we're making meatloaf every single day. Right. Every single day. Then cutting it and putting it, you know, in the, in the fridge below the flat top, pulling it out, and finishing off on the grill. And something that's important to note is most of the time when you're making meatloaf yeah. for a restaurant, yeah. you're going to cross-utilize that meatloaf in another dish. Yeah. The things that you're making are specifically not, yeah, for yeah, that yeah. one <laughs> fucking taco. I, I know. Loss prevention, uh, man. That's hard. No, it is. But, but that's, I, why, that's but, why having someone like Howard who understands yeah, yeah. storage, understands prep list, understands yeah. the operational side – there's so many challenges that come with yeah. that, but that's the highlight. I mean, yeah. that's what you wanted, and that's what makes those and tacos he, and he's fucking it incredible. Right. Yeah, he's they, they it make those me. tacos incredible. Yeah. As a self-proclaimed um, taco connoisseur, I would uh, <laughs> say that I think one of the biggest things in a taco yeah. is the tortilla. It has to be. Talk to me about your tortilla. Yeah, so please, please let me know that it's it's a good quality tortilla. Oh, no, it's a great quality tortilla, okay. and it's made with lard. Fuck Which yeah. you know pisses off some of the, some, the vegans for sure aren't. But we have a we have a we have a lettuce wrap option. But okay. then there's sour cream that has to be removed. And you know I, I'm getting a little shit for that. But I did not open Sam's Vegan Taco Restaurant. <laughs> Dude, right? If I did and I was using lard, then you can bitch me out. But right. I'm not. Yeah. But you, but you guys understand. You know you can't please everybody. Critics. No. Yeah. Everyone's uh, got a voice. Right? So it took us a while to settle on who would make our tortillas for okay. us. And we found them. We put a lot of love into it. Uh, we think they're really delicious. The, the biggest ta- the biggest tortilla controversy we had was no corn tortillas. And people go, well, what's up with that? I go, a corn tortilla to me, A, is indicative of a Mexican-inspired taco mm-hmm. first. But more importantly, the smell of a corn tortilla is very significant. You pick up that taco off your plate and you put it up to your mouth. You get the smell of corn tortilla right away. And that's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I wanted a delivery system. I wanted a blank canvas, albeit a delicious one with little extra chew to it. And, you know, That's my jam. It's great, I right? I love that shit. What, so, was, what was the first thing I told you when I, when I came on opening day? about You asked tortillas. me, like, how yeah. was it? Yeah. You said the, the tortillas. tortillas were fucking incredible. Yeah. I'm you, telling you, you. You hit a home run with the tortilla. Thank you. That's, oh, we keep to, getting to Derek, to Derek's point. Yeah. To Derek's point, for us growing up in San Diego, living on Mexican food, I mean, right. you can't underestimate how something is that important. Yeah. I mean, when you have an unbelievable There's quality nothing tortilla. worse than picking up a tortilla and it's cracking. Oh. It's, it's cracking, dry. right, it's, right, and that's right, the right. Fucking But I also worst. don't, I wanted you to pick up the tortilla and you would smell the 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 flat griddled pastrami with the monster cheese and the dill pickles and the crispy onions on it or the Korean short rib or whatever it is. I didn't want you to get it up to your mouth and smell corn tortilla right away. Sure. That would be throwing in the whole everything I'd worked to put inside the tortillas, it would completely throw it off. Oh yeah, it has it to, it has to complement it the way you want it to be complimented. Yeah. I'll tell you one of my favorite uh it's it's the least well performing taco that I anticipated. <laughs> Uh, is the curried egg salad. And I think here's what happens. 
I think people walk in and they see meatloaf and pastrami and Korean short rib and, um, a pastra- you know, that kind of stuff. And they've got a lot of great choice and they go egg salad. Yeah, I can make egg salad at home. I probably do once a week. What's the big deal with that? But the big deal with that is it's curried egg salad, but something really wonderful happens to it when it gets inside that really great flour tortilla. It's delicious. That's my ta- my my go-to taco. Every day I have one of those because I just love it. I'm definitely going to be going down tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yeah. Let's do it. I'm going yeah. to make my way down there. You're totally down. Was, okay. uh, was opening the restaurant everything that you thought it would be? Because you have so much built-up anticipation yeah. for this day obviously you have our soft opening with friends family you're going through it and then it's like oh shit this is actually happening you know it's it's funny um you're right oh shit it's finally (laughs) happening i'll tell you this um so um katie barton that actually came up with the name not not tacos uh, it part of the marketing uh heads up the marketing for the group and us I've been sending her these quick little videos that she's been putting on Not Not Tacos and and, uh, and Little Italy Food Hall stuff. Ten minutes before we open, she goes, you got one more in you? I go, yeah. So I pick up my phone and I'm standing with my my back to, you know, the Not Not Tacos thing there so you can see it. And I go, look, we're ten minutes from opening. Um, I just want to say I'm so excited. This And my next line was, this has been the culmination of, of a lot of people's hard work and time, I started to say, this has been the culmination, and I stopped, and I started crying. I started crying. She goes, what? I go, I can't, I, I, I can't, and I have to stop the recording. She goes, I hope you kept that going. I go, no, I stopped that recording. <laughs> I don't, wouldn't want to put that out anyways, but I don't mind talking about it. It was very emotional for me. And the funny thing is, I hadn't really thought about I, I mean, maybe it was a subconscious thing. I hadn't let my mind go to, will people like them? Will they not like them? Will they come? Will we be busy? I had no idea. And sure enough, three o'clock that day on the, whatever that Thursday, the 12th was packed. We were packed right away. People came in, they were excited. And I've taken more pictures, shaken more hands and given more hugs in the past two weeks, <laughs> two weeks than I have probably in the past two years. But that's so important. It's I mean, so important. It's so important. You, you can't I feel be the so... brand ambassador for this, no, this hall, no, this food no, no, hall, no. and not be present. You're right. Right. You know, and I'm not always going to be there, but when I am, and I'm so thankful for people, and, and you know, friends will say to me, do you get tired of it? And I go, tired of what? And they go, you know, people want to take a picture, say hello, or shake your hand or whatever. I go, this is, uh, this is what you work for. Right. All the stuff that I've done is, is, is for the people that watch. And you hope they like it. And then when you write a book, they buy a book. When you hopefully open a restaurant, they come They come to that. But without them, I have nothing. Nothing. We always talked about <clears throat> playing football. I never understood. I had a few te- teammates that when I was with the Chargers that yeah. would, you know, the fans would come up and they yeah. would like, oh, go talk to my agent, you know, or, or do like. And it made me so mad. I'm like, this is what we work so hard for. Like you got to spend the time and talk to that kid because that's gonna that could change his life. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, you know what? And, and whether it's a kid or an adult, when somebody takes the time, my very first book signing um, at a Barnes and Noble was just ins- it was insane. It it really was. Um, we got there. What year was this? Uh, oh, sh- two thousand and seven. Mm, probably not. 
maybe six. Okay. Got to the book signing. It was at seven o'clock. Walked in at uh, quarter to seven. Uh, the place was packed. You couldn't see shelves. You could only see people. And this, my 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 editor had given me a little warning the week before. He goes, "Look, everybody has great expectations of a huge turnout." He goes, "I'm just telling you, it doesn't always happen. Fifty, sixty people—that's a home run, man. Right? Be be good with that." But I had a whole bunch of friends that could just come knock on my door and say, will you sign this book? I want to give it to somebody. They didn't have to go to a book signing. And they were telling me they're going to the book signing. So I threw 75 books in my in my car. Walking to the book signing, I hear right away, I hear somebody go, there he is. And the next thing I hear is, they're out of books. I go, they're out of books? Yeah. The guy goes, yeah. My friend just went to another Barnes & Noble to buy for us and the four people behind us in line. So I had those books. Anyway. At uh, at like 10 to 11, the Barnes & Noble people come up and they go, you know, you still have a lot of people in line. We close at 11. I go, okay. I said to somebody, I'm happy to be here as long as there's people in line. If they've come from La Mesa and Escondido, even across the street, and they're waiting in this line, I'm going to stay here until there aren't people in line. And they were not happy about it. And I left at 12. <laughs> right. I signed every single one, but I can't just, I saw Martha Stewart signing books once at Costco. Didn't realize she was there. And she, she was at a table. You, there was like a yellow line and people couldn't come in. You had to stay like three feet back from the table. And, um, she'd look up and smile and she would just sign. There was no personalizing. I think it was just Martha Stewart because personalizing took too long. Or they would say it's for Beth and she'd write Beth, Martha Stewart, and then pass the book. And then it would get to you. You couldn't, you could say hello and she'd give you a little hello, right. but there was no conversation. Me, I'm a big fucking yenta. I just want to talk to everybody <laughs> and I want them to feel like they've gotten, you know, well, they, they waited in line. They know you now. They know me. Yeah. And I'm the same guy. I keep saying that on TV. So we have some conversation. Right. I remember the funniest thing that night. Some guy comes up and we're chatting. And blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's sign this book. Who's it for? He goes, it's for me. Uh, okay, cool. What's your name? He goes, Doug. I take my Sharpie and I just start to write and he goes, it's D-U-G. I go, <laughs> it's so funny, man. He goes, no, it's D-U-G. I go, wait, how often is that a problem? He goes, every, every day of my life. <laughs> well, why did your parents do that to you? Dude, why they just fucking They're threw you on that? man. D-U-G. Stoners, huh? let's, let's it's so let's important, like this. though. Right? Let's make it different. Let's make it D-U-G. D-U-G. No, it's so important <laughs> oh, for people to get to experience right. the person. It and, kills me. You talk about you know playing football and, <clears throat> and, and guys not wanting that. Especially, I think if you're fortunate enough to be able to play a game for your, your career, right. you owe it to you owe it to the fans because without them, you have nothing. Right. But especially little kids, man. When somebody comes up with a little kid that's a fan, I'm right on my knees at their level, talking to them or bending over. They deserve it. Right. Thank you for having the right attitude about that. And with a restaurant, too. And people come up Absolutely. to you, Sean, and they go, we were in the restaurant the other day. You don't go and just go, like, fuck no. off, no. you know? I mean, that's probably the, the hardest thing that I have to remind myself every day is it's easy to put your head down in a restaurant and yeah. go walk through the restaurant. Yeah. I got something to yeah, do. Yeah. But when no, I take no, the no, time... No. To stop at a table, little eye contact. Thank them. Thank How them, did you find little, out? Right. How did you find out about it? That's why we do what we do. Exactly. I mean, that's literally you know. That's the hospitality for, side of the this business that needs to be there. It's not about that that man or woman's no, lasagna only. Not at all. Right. It's not about the cash register. It's no. about what you said 
I mean, thank you for sharing that. It's, you know, you get on camera to talk about, yeah, it's 10 minutes before the opening. You see hun hundreds, literally hundreds of people in the piazza waiting to get in and you, you start crying. I mean, yeah. like literally because everything that you've been doing leading up to that point has gotten you, your wife is there, all your, all your team is there, everyone's yeah. ready and you're like, this is amazing. You know, it's like all in. It's yeah. your all in moment. Years ago, I learned if if all my efforts are directed towards the viewer, and, and now there's customers, but the viewer, make it about them. Think about what they need. You're going to be okay. Right. You're going to be okay. Yeah, the second I start making it about me, then you'll lose people. But that's me yelling at the guys editing the videos. That's important. You can't cut that stuff out. Right. So that's, you know, if you're listening, whatever business you're in, mm -hmm. customers first, that's it. That's you, you make your decisions based on what is best for them, right? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do the same thing. We do it a little bit differently, but for, for the store, I always make sure that my employees are yeah, first. Yeah, I make sure I, I take that. care of my employees. I get that. To put them in a good mood to make sure that they're taking, they're care, taking of the care of the customers. They're taking care of the customers, right. Um, and then just to talk about what we were talking about a little bit earlier, but I mean, going to Fiesta Island this weekend, we were playing over the line. Yeah. And, you know, we were fortunate to win back to back world championships and, and over the line. Which is incredible. But everyone's wow. wearing Valley Farm gear because yeah. Team Valley Farm wins. But people are coming up like, hey, I went to Valley Farm the other day and got this. And it's like, okay, cool. I have to remind myself, dude, take the time out. Ask him his name. Hey, what's your name? So easy hey, dude, to it, not. It's a pleasure. To me. I just wanted to uh, thank you for coming to the store. Yeah. They come in. I mean, I've, I've already had them coming back to the store yeah. wanting to be, because it's a, you're building a brand and people want to be a part of a of movement, right? So you just build that movement like the Not Not Tacos. It's it's something different. It's cool. They want to be a part of it. Yeah. Oh, well, invite them in. Thank them. Yeah. It means so much more to them than we even know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the biggest rewards for us for just doing this podcast is it's forced us to have vulnerability to share things that we wouldn't share normally as business right. leaders. And, um, you know, a lot of the struggles that I've had, Derek's had, and the guests that we bring on, I mean, we got to develop a deeper relationship with you. You know, we, you came out to the Del Mar barbecue championship. You're going to be coming out again. We can't wait to have you, but to be able to sit down and spend this time and whoever is listening to this, the, you know, incredible, fact that we have people all over the world that actually do tune in to listen to us we can't thank them enough for actually spending the time to yeah. you know hear our stories because yeah. maybe there's something that you know we've had listeners reach out from the episode that you came on and said um, thank you so much for having sam yeah. on now i'm going to start my my barbecue podcast. i've had a lot yeah. of people a lot talk of people. about your podcast a lot, nice. from, nice. from a lot. The, one, the earlier one that you did with us yeah. and just like man i because <clears throat> You said it so well, but like just white knuckling that fucking steering wheel going to, to work and just hating it, you know, people are like, that, that was me. That was me. When I listened to that podcast, I knew I had to do something to change. Yeah. And that's inspiring to us. But Derek, it's so many people, unfortunately. That's the hard part. Yeah. There's people and they don't know what to do. And, and you know, I think I said this last time, this is the same speech I always give. Look, if you, if you, if you're an accountant or a, a realtor or a doctor, whatever, and you hate what you do. Uh, making a complete jump into the unknown is really difficult and daunting and maybe not the best idea. I did it and I don't condone that behavior, <laughs> but starting to put in your life little bits of what you really do want to do and seeing if that holds any promise for you is important. Right. You yeah. know, I, I think I gave the example of a teacher that wanted to quit to become a, an actor. And I said, well, what if you suck? You mean you give yeah. up your teaching 
credentials, everything to become an actor that you might suck or you might hate it. Why don't you start with some community theater? And at the very least, I bet you at least doing community theater on weekends or nights will make you a better teacher. Absolutely. And might give you enough of that, what you're really yearning for, to keep you teaching during the day. And God bless you for doing that because teachers don't get enough credit. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, we thank our soldiers when we see them on the street. Thank yeah. you for your service. We should be saying that to teachers. Absolutely. Huge. I think the biggest thing that we fuck up in this United States is education. Think of the not, impact, not taking right? care of those people. I mean, they're it's insane. The, they're the ones that are taking our little kids uh, and, and, molding, and, and them. molding them. Mostly, they're with them more than we are right. during a day. Yeah. And, yeah. and they get paid shit. And they don't get the respect that they should have. I've always said that. I think they should get paid way more than what they get. Absolutely. They're, Absolutely. they're taking on the burden. Not burden, but they're they're educating our kids. It's it's so important. But what you were saying, too, about um, you know implementing a few things that you really like into your life. Yeah. And, and maybe change your mindset a little bit. If you like theater so much or you like acting so much and you're a teacher, well, maybe have a little class. And when you're doing, like, do some acting during your class and, like, get it out. Start getting that in your life. Yeah. That, that's Just the get thing. it in there. You know, and here's the thing. Somebody is not going to recognize the teacher that wants to be an actor and will – and it, nobody's going to approach you on the street and say, you look like you want to be an actor – let me hire you. That's not going to happen. Right. The days of being discovered that way don't work anymore. You have to be the one to add that to your life, to start yeah. to sprinkle that in your regular every day if you can. Make some decisions about that. You got to be the one to do it. Yeah. yeah, I think, you know, one of the things we've I've talked about before, but uh, Cal Newport, his book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, I bring it up again yeah. because it's about Steve Martin and the whole premise of the book is why Steve Martin wanted to become a better comedian. He's like, I tell people all the time, well, how did you become great? And he's like, be so good that they can't ignore you. Yeah. And that's not the answer that people want to hear because they want to hear that, oh, this is how I booked an agent. This is how I got the gig. And it's focus on your craft. Nobody wants whatever, whatever you want that craft to be, whatever you think right. your passion might be, exactly what you said, work on that side hustle. Do something yeah. when you're on your off hours before you make that entire jump off the cliff. You know, we've yeah. had people that have participated in the Spring Valley barbecue event, which is so cool for Derek and I because it's just an amateur event. Right. You know, you don't have to go and buy a huge smoker, a big no. rig. All you have to do is bring out a grill yeah. and, you know, see, do, if, do you see if this is something that you want to do. And maybe you want to do it. Hey, next thing you know, you're at a farmer's market or you're doing a catering. You know, you get a catering permit and just take it step by step, but work on your craft. It's exactly what you have to do. Corey, there, can you turn the AC on? I'm fucking sweating. Please, God. I know. <laughs> we had this whole conversation about AC before we started. Right. Right now, like, now we're in here sweating. It's, sweating. it's loud sometimes. So hey, there's that book, it. Do What You Love, The Money Will Follow. Yeah. It should be, do what you love, you'll be really damn happy. Yeah. And if the money follows, it's a bonus. But, you know, on your last day on this planet, it will not be the dollars you remember. I don't care Absolutely what you not. say. It's not. You're not going to go... You know, you got five hours left to live. You're not going to be sitting going, fuck, I'm so glad I bought that big boat right. yeah. or the or the extra condo in Aspen or, or whatever. It's going to be the memories that you have. It's going to be the things that are in your heart. That's going to be the part of it. So you got to get yourself there. One of the things I took to, to heart when I went to Kansas State, Coach Snyder made us go and talk to um, schools and elderly facil facilities. Yeah, Going to those elderly facilities... I started going back weekly 
even when it wasn't asked of me, but the knowledge I gained from talking to some of these people, but it's the same thing that you talk to. Not one time did they say, man, I really wish I worked more. I really wish Nobody I put more. That. No one says that. They're like, man, I, w- I really wish I would have taken more time with my family. Yeah. Man, I really wish I would have you know, gone and traveled or done this or done that. And it, don't worry about the, the monetary gain that you're going to get. If you're happy, in, in, in live it up. It's, it's, it. It, look, it's tough, especially in, in this state, in California, where it's so damn expensive. You know, My, my son just moved here from uh, Oregon. And the, the prices of rentals... I mean, he could be living way fancier right. oh, there, yeah. but he's now here with family and stuff like that. So I get that, that it's a struggle. I get that you got to make a certain amount just to d- stay above the line, keep yourself above water, that kind of thing. But that being said, I mean, how much do you need? Yeah. You how much is too much? Yeah. We talk I about mean, it a lot. A little less, a couple less hours at work and a little more time at home with your family or with a loved one or doing something that you like, something for you is important. And I think that gets forgotten. We were looking at a new venture in La Jolla, Sean and I. Yeah. And it was one of the things in the very beginning when we first started talking about it, it was, I said, here's my schedule. I'm not working more. Right. Now I can work both of them and I can do more and, and, you know, be more efficient with my time, but I am not going to take away from seeing my kids right i am not going to that that's something that's very very important to me it's important for me to take my kids to school every day because i think it's fun we turn on fucking little mermaid or moana and we yeah. sing and we dance in the car and we're <laughs> yeah. silly but that's a dad and in son's time that they're never going to forget no we're, that's we're, the we're, we're having fun and and then picking them up and going home when i see him going outside picking it you know looking for bugs or whatever we're right, doing right. outside I will not give that up you can't. for a monetary gain. I no, cannot. It's do crazy. That. You know, the best memories I have of doing stuff with my dad are. Oh wait, I don't have any memories of doing stuff with my dad because really? he didn't do it. Nothing. Came home at you know whatever six <clears> o'clock, <throat> and it's not that he worked all that hard, but he was not a hands-on dad. Came yeah. home, put on Walter Cronkite, poured two fingers of scotch, and 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 watched the news. Yeah, my mom did all the cooking. It was very you know. How, it to how have you been I was just going to say leave it to Beaver. She was sure. in one room cooking because that's how houses were built and they didn't have the open kitchen, living room, family room things. And by the way, if you've just turned in to Behind the Smoke, yes, that is a blow dryer you're hearing. Sean <laughs> is doing his hair right now because he has an appointment Yes, right when we're done. Absolutely. <laughs> how, how have you been a different father for your, your sons? I, I just hands-on. Yeah. Really hands-on. You know, a hugest compliment I could have gotten... Uh, Saw a friend the other day. I turned around at, at not not, and he was there with his daughter. His daughter's you know thirty something, and um, we're sitting, we're talking. I ask about his son, and he goes, "Oh, he's in Los Angeles. He's an accountant." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, so I mean, does he come down a lot?" And he goes, "No, not really." I go, "You talk to him a lot?" And he goes, "Well, no, not really." I go, "Did something happen?" And he goes, "No, no." I go, "What is it?" He goes, "It's just a different relationship." He goes, "It's not the relationship that you have with your sons." Hmm. And his daughter goes, "What's that mean?" And he goes. Sam and his boys, they're hugging, they're kissing, they're like, they're super close. And, and maybe it's because I did not have that with my father at all. He's long past, but because I didn't have that, I don't know that I consciously went looking for that, but that felt right. And it is that thing. It's being silly, but it's hanging out and I'm like that with them, but my boys are like that with each other. When they haven't had a fix of their other brothers, for a few days, they start to talk about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And now they all live here, but they can't see each other every day. But 
it's a regular let's get together thing. I, I want that to be a normality. A hundred percent. And it will be because you're conscious of it and you're doing that. Right. And you're making those decisions about how much more you want to work. It's right? okay to be affectionate. It's okay to show those things, to be vulnerable. Like I, I hug and kiss my kids every single day. Every day. Like every day. I actually woke my son up this morning kissing him and, 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 and tickling yeah. him and doing that stuff because he, he was sleeping in a little bit. And, yeah. You know, those things... Again, my dad was great. He wasn't much of a, I mean, he's a, a saint of a guy, very, yeah. very kind, but he wasn't yeah. like a big hug. Even yeah. when I hug him now, he's kind of like, like it's, just, it's a, little awkward, a little awkward for him. You my, know? my dad, my dad uh, barely hugged uh-huh. uh, and could not, and I mean, could not say the words, I love you. Yeah. And it became a game with me. I went away to my high school for my high school years, uh-huh. uh, to a boarding school in Canada, and I'd call home, you know, once a week or whatever it was, and talking the phone and when the call was winding down they both my parents would be on separate phones say all right love you mom and she'd say love you i go love you dad and he'd go okay <laughs> and he'd hang up and then it became a game with me dad dad yeah i love you all right i never <laughs> got right. one all i right. never got one really ever. Yeah. yeah i wonder what the disconnect is for some people sometimes you know, it's generationally my grand right? my grandfather would tell him tell, he told me all the time that his father never never once in his entire life told him that he loved him i'll tell you he my dad came from a a cold family you know my grandparents were not loving there was not hugging and kissing and touching and and, and that kind of stuff in fact my check this out my grandparents my dad's parents had my dad's parents had two sons my dad and his brother never saw each other naked they had sex as far as i know twice made two kids and wow. never saw each other naked wow wow and that was old school but i don't think that was normal old school mm-hmm. <laughs> fucking, yeah i walk around my house naked every fucking day <laughs> Like, my by the way, we just, like, <laughs> for people that have never seen you, <laughs> can we just give a little bit of a description? Yeah, a height, height, I would love to hear that. Height? Yeah. How I'm tall six, are you? 6'3", six, three, six, three. 320, 330 pounds right now. And oh. and there's a lot of bear skin I'm seeing right here. <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of tattoo on that. There, and so even six, more. 6'3", six, three, 330, walking around the, yeah. like, naked. We always gotta be tease and like, but he's like, man, like, what's going to happen to your house? Because I have three boys. You know, yeah. There's going to be so much fucking food. I'm like, well, I own a grocery store. That's one of the pods. <laughs> Thank God. I'm like, but it's just fucking nuts and butts. Like kids are running around naked. No, and, I know. It's exactly what it's, it's exactly. I, it's you know, I do. have three sons too, and that's exactly what it was. Mine yeah. are all older now, but, but that's what it is. But it's a crazy fun time. And that's the, this is the stuff that people lose sight of. This is the, I need another, another three hours at work tonight to get this kind of stuff done. Mm-hmm. People have to change the way they think about that kind of stuff. They really do. And it's for, we talked about it, but it's when I first came in here, if I wasn't here for at least 50 hours, my uncle was like yeah. all over me. Like, what's going on? Where are you? What are you doing? Um, it's a generational thing. Like, if yeah. you're not here, you're not working. So he didn't yeah. see that I'm out making relationships, doing other things, blah, blah, blah. Um, my dad, you know, would always say, I can't go. I, I have to work. I have to, you know, and it's like, okay, you can. You're choosing not to. You're choosing not to hire another employee that gives you the, uh, you know, gives you time to come out and hang out with us. Yeah. That's your choice. Now with me, like payroll's a little bit higher, but my quality of life, I'm allowed to go do those things. I can go do that. And I don't feel guilty about no, it. No, but the other thing is, is you have people, you have to be comfortable People doing what you used to do, sure. and a lot of times people don't 
don't have that. Right. We've lost, uh, lost. We've, 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 we've had four people come and go from not, not tacos in it. You'll have a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> in, in its short little life. Trust me. But there was a moment one day when we were running out of something and, and, and Howard said to me, I said, uh, do I need to go get that prep that he goes, yes, but no, you're not going to do it. I've already told so-and-so. And if we run out for a bit, we run out for a bit, but that person will not learn if you or I do it. So we're not going to do it. Yep. So you have to let people do things. And I think a lot of, uh, a big part of it, Derek, is people don't want to let go, yeah. right? They feel that they have to do it. Look, the key, I think, is hiring great people in any business. Huge. Sure. The key, and then letting them do what they need to do. Well, it's also, it's also being self-aware. I mean, you yeah. said it in the beginning of the podcast. You said there's things that you do great and there's things that you knew were your weaknesses. Yeah. And you were able to partner with people that could help supplement those weaknesses. It's as important to know what you can't do in life yeah. as what you can do. So I know what I can't do and what I don't want to do. And so I found a relationship with these guys that gives us, gives both of both sides the best of uh, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to know how to do all, all of it. Yes. And then, but to be able to delegate and like yeah. we, we talked about earlier, it's, it's our jobs to figure out how to motivate our employees yeah. and make them happy. So it's important for me to make sure I'm taking care of everybody yeah. and giving them the wages that they want. Yeah. Obviously if they're not, you know, up to snuff, but now mm. what I'm, the people that I'm hiring, I'm, I'm paying them a lot more than, what they would get at a commodity store. Yeah. But I want them to be excited and it, you'll get way more out of your employees. And it's not always just monetary. It's maybe just giving them a little bit of a leash to do something that they, where they can see, Hey, if we did this, I think we, it, would, it would help this procedure instead of just shutting them down saying, you know what? Let's try it. Let's give Let's it a try shot. It. Exactly. Let's give it a shot. They take so much pride in that, that that was their idea. Yeah. Like, let them run with it. Like, you don't need to put your thumb over people and suppress them. Let they, They're trying to better your business. Now, if you've already tried it and it didn't work, you can explain to them, okay, we tried that before and it didn't work. Here's why yeah. it didn't work, but that's a great idea. Um, but you, you want to make sure that they feel like they have a voice. Like yeah. They can say something. They're not just going to get shot down. Yeah. Um, even with our beer, I, I have a new beer person coming in, beer, wine, and liquor. And they have ideas. I'm like, let's go. Let's By the go. way, you got a, a, a beautiful looking selection downstairs. Thank you. You Thank really you. do. Got to support my habit. So it's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah, very, right. uh, yeah. very important for me to yeah. uh, have that good stuff. But it's the community asked, and we did it. Yeah. So there is something missing in the community, and now I think we're seeing that there's a lot more money coming out east because yeah. people can't afford west anymore. Yeah. So the people that want the higher end wines, the USDA prime beefs, all those things, they're coming out this way, and, and it's they're like, well, Valley Farms, where I'm going to go. I think if you just drove past this place, you would assume it was just like a little tiny carniceria. Exactly, because you've got those 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 signs signs in the windows that look exactly like that. Yep. And if you don't carefully study what they are, you could just assume, oh, there's just like, you know, carne side and stuff like that inside. And it's just, that's all it's going to be. And then you get inside and there's the, 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 the meat case. You guys back there cutting gorgeous steaks and, and, and prepping the poke and the stuff like that. And then your wine selection is amazing. And the whole thing, it's, it's a, this is a surprise. I was very surprised the first time I came in today, well, too. Thank you. Yeah, I, you're welcome. We, we know that um, we have hurdles to get over. Yeah. Um, 
and what we talked about, we kind of touched on it before the podcast, but when I first bought into the store, I said, I'm going to get this place going and it's going to be perfect in two years. Yeah. It's 11 years later and I'm not there yet. It just takes a lot. It always takes three things, time, money, and effort. Well, I'm and st- There's always one of them that you're missing. Yeah. I'm so. still working on my wife after 33. <laughs> She's not perfect. She's yet, working so. on you. <laughs> just working on me. That's Let's really be honest that's, here. That's Let's exactly. be honest here. That's the important part. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There's one thing I did want to talk about yeah. um, since the last time you were on. You know, it's great to open up restaurants. It's great to have Emmys. It's great to, mm-hmm. you know, be on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that has happened since the last time you were on was the Anthony Bourdain. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's important that we talk about vulnerabilities. Um, you know, I've struggled with alcoholism, you know, being a bar owner and being sober for five years. It's something that every single day I just have to do my best yeah. to work my program and to make sure that I'm doing what I have to do to stay sober. Yeah. Um, it's really hard. This platform has allowed me to kind of talk about it. I haven't talked about it very often. Derek's talked about some struggles that he's had i mean i I have my own struggles with weight which he's helping me out with um but if you could tell us a little bit more what happened i couldn't believe that you know anthony bourdain's suicide would have such an impact on me because i woke up so early that's that morning yeah i was up at four and immediately on twitter i saw it and then i just started reading more about it and then I actually was going over to uh, Blue Lagoon to Jack, uh, who we've had on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was going over there, and my wife, she called me, and she goes, did you see Sam? I said, no. It's like, he's on Fox 5 right now. Mm. You have to see it. Mm. And you went on Fox 5 with Raul um, and Shally and shared personally. I, I mean, I, I broke down in the car. Yeah, I mean, it was, did you, man? It, yeah, it was, I just uh, got chills. So, Turn the AC off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, uh, I said on Fox, uh, you know, my post that morning was a picture of Bourdain. And then all I wrote below it was, you never see it coming. And I said that because my own brother took his life, um, six years ago. And he had a lot of, a lot of struggles and issues, but never ever did I imagine that that would have been the outcome. You know, you can't, if we all had plastic plates on the side of our heads and you could look in and see if the wheels were turning or how they were turning mm-hmm. or if a cog was, was stuck or, you know, grinding away, you might have some clue. But we can't. You can't look inside somebody. All you see is what's on the outside. It, literally, we are just the tip of an iceberg. You see somebody walking down the street smiling, you assume that they're, they're all good. You see somebody angry, you assume that they're, they're not good. You can't see so deeply in someone that you would ever have an idea. And the thing about Bourdain is that for what we could all see, the collective we, he looked like he had it way together. Yeah. Way together. I mean, A, look what he did for a living. How many people have said, I I would have done that job? Almost for free. Unbelievable. Just to be do it. Travel the world. Eat, Travel the world. Eat, eat, eat whatever he wanted. But a really, storytelling. really talented guy. And if you're, and listen to me now, if you're a Bourdain fan from watching him, buy his books and read the books. He's way, I think he's a much better read than he is just from on TV. You'll really get to, to know him and really see his genius that way. But... What the hell? What the hell? Same thing with my brother. What the hell? What was it? He was absolutely tortured. Yeah. That yeah. very few people saw. Eric Repair, 
from uh, what's the restaurant in uh, Le Bernardin in New York, one of his best friends, the French guy with the crazy heavy French accent, the silver hair that he yeah. traveled with, uh, mentioned a little bit about they've had some conversations about shit going on with uh, Anthony Bourdain, but never did he suggest that anything close to suicide came out in those conversations. Yeah. Your best friend. I mean, what things do you share? I mean, we had Dave Palais on the podcast just recently, and he shared with us that his father committed suicide. He was, you know, he had cancer. He's 80 years old, and he got a call from his mom, and he was just not expecting that call at that time. And suicide is just something that, I wish it wasn't as prevalent as it is. I'll, I'll tell you this. My brother committed suicide, and it's not that I walked around telling people, because I did Yeah, It's not that I was ashamed or embarrassed, but why did I, why, why did I need to do that? Mm-hmm. But when somebody would ask, how's your brother, blah, 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 you know, I had, he was living in Canada at the time, I would say, oh, you know, he, uh, he committed suicide. And then this was, this was the response. Oh, my uncle did. Oh, my cousin did. Wow. Oh, my best friend from elementary school did. Oh, my aunt did. Oh, my teacher did. Suddenly, this thing is way more common than I ever imagined. Yeah. Ever. I think that's kind of the, you know, the thing that I appreciate is when you talk about something that typically society we want to shun and we don't want to talk about. It's those vulnerabilities that open you up to so many different things. I mean, I shared a story about searching for my birth father and I wrote it on the Internet and, you know, it was on Facebook. But I had all these people reach out to me that had never met their father, you know, or they were adopted or they were raised by their grandparents. And they're like, thank you so much for sharing that. Like I and I had never it was never something that I was resentful towards not knowing who my father because my grandfather raised me. I was grew up in La Jolla. I mean, it was incredible for me. But sharing something that's that personal is so hard to do. These conversations are so very important. And, you know, like years ago, you know. Men were men. We no one would admit that they cried. You'd never open a restaurant and cry ten minutes before and then tell anybody. <laughs> right. You know they think you're a big pussy. Yeah. Right. Uh, but thing, things are changing in many ways, and and the, the 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 suicide conversation absolutely needs to continue. Yeah. Because people need to understand it's it's there. It's there in a really big way, and the only way you might ever find out. Something's going on is if there's enough conversation. You know, yeah. the, the Demi Lovato thing, you know, she just uh, relapsed relapsed on heroin, right? Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I heard Dr. Drew Pinsky uh, on the radio talking about that or on TV this morning talking about that. And he says, you know, the thing is, uh, you can have cancer and it goes away and then it comes back and people feel terrible. You... Fix yourself from a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction problem, and it comes back, and they're like, "Oh, that guy's a yeah." The guy, the one's you know, fucking loser. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Right. It's a, it's a disease, like any of these diseases are, and there needs to be conversation about that. Like there does, there is, there like just there needs isn't a to conversation be with, about there isn't, it, but know? there needs to be with suicide. You know, was, all I, these things. I was in my AA meeting after Bourdain's suicide, yeah. and it was somebody, one of the men, shared. He's like, you know, I loved Anthony Bourdain. I had so much respect for him. But, you know, he shared his struggles with alcoholism and his struggles with drug addiction, Mm. except he's on TV drinking. So he's obviously not working a program. He's not, you know, and that's something that I hadn't even thought about. You know, it's those are the things that people don't talk about, you know, especially in the hospitality business, you know, being 
<clears throat> you know, I was I was a professional drinker. I, I tell people all the time I'm a Hall of Fame drinker. You know, I'm I'm in Canton. I have a bust, and you know, <laughs> you know, I could yeah. drink with the best of them. Yeah. But ultimately, for me, it's dealing with my addiction. Yeah. You know, and I shared when we had Jim Trotter on this podcast about my alcoholism. We had somebody, a listener, reach out in New Orleans that said, you know ask me questions and you know i was able to refer him somewhere and if it's if it's one thing that we can do out of all the things that we're doing with this podcast i mean shit it's just having a conversation and knowing that we're here as a resource no matter what that is it doesn't mean that we're an expert by any means yeah it's we have a a lot of it going on with uh ex-football players and i was i can share my my feelings of it that they were um I had a lot of anger towards my friends that killed themselves and just kind of naive to how they were feeling. You know, you don't, when I'm 18 years old and one of my teammates kills himself, I'm like, you piece of shit. There's so many other things that you could have done, you know, but now you get older, you understand the, the, the struggles that some people go through and you have to be sensitive to those things. And you have to understand like this person is going through so much that the last thing or the only thing that they, they have left is to kill themselves. I mean, that's absolutely horrible. Like, right. we have to be able to have, there has to be more avenues. And yes, it's great to put on these, you know, um, hotlines. Call if you need help. I'll tell you what, the person that's going to kill themselves ain't fucking calling those hotlines. Yeah. So we need to make sure these conversations continue to happen. I have a lot of friends that, you know, right now, yesterday, I just did another MRI for my baseline, for my CTE. I don't have CTE. We're, we're going through the progression to see what's going on with my brain. But it's something you have to make sure that you're sensitive to and you're looking at it and you're always checking out. And I got to call my buddies that I played with that mm. I know have had just as many concussions as me yeah. and check up on them yeah. and see how they're doing and, and, and create that dialogue, that conversation and know that it's OK to talk about. We don't need to be scared about it. We can just talk about it. Have I an think open conversation. I mean, it's it's a huge compliment to you, Derek, to not only number one, recognize that you need to be proactive in your life to go and deal with what football might have put you through, but to be willing to share that. I mean, it's, you know, such a testament to you because it's all it takes is one person. You don't know where you're going to hear it. You don't know where you're going to see it on TV. You don't know what conversation, but if you're not having that conversation, then there might not be that call to action. Yeah. Were you, were you, uh, were your kids play football? They will not play football until high school. If they choose to play football, that's them. Yeah. Um, I will let them know my struggles and what yes. happened and yes. that I, if I could go back and do it, there's no chance I'd play. Um, I don't think that football will be around very much longer. Um, I know California is going to outlaw Pop Warner here pretty soon. Are they? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I mean, you think about it and it's great entertainment. Look, why, I, why pretty soon? Why not now? Yeah. I, I, I mean, agree. what's the, like, what is it like a three year plan? They're going to start mm. shutting it down slowly. It's money. It's all, it's all, it always comes back down to money and you know, it gives kids outlets to release anger. One of the things my high school coach told me, he's like, I could tell the difference from when you first started because you know, my parents got divorced. I was having a few issues that I held a lot of anger inside and it was yeah. an outlet. Now, was that good? Cause I'm inflicting pain on some of these other poor kids. Yeah. It's not okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm doing bad things to them. Yeah. And so now again, the dialogue of being able to, to verbally talk about those things and have an outlet that way, instead of having to smash somebody and throw them down and jump on them or whatever it is, it's just a brutal, brutal sport. And especially for D linemen like me or O linemen, um, there's not a play 
that I don't hit somebody. Mm-hmm. There was not a play that I wasn't. Oh, see, that's, that's your job. Right. So, but a safety, you yeah. know, he, yeah, yeah, he yeah. could be back there and, you know, there's a pass. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he doesn't hit anybody. But D lineman, O lineman, there's a lot of banging going on. And, you know, our brains aren't meant to sustain that. That's why we have our skulls. And yeah. it's not supposed to bounce around like that. And, you know, I, I don't want them playing football. No, good um, for you for talking about this. And but I, I being so honest with this. Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing because it gave me so much, and, right. and I don't harbor you know have that resentment like I used to. I you it. know the the I think the push needs to be at the parents because, I mean, I don't know how the percentages break down of little boys saying I want to play football. Or is it the father going, hey, Jimmy, guess what? You're going to play football. Yeah. You're going to get out there and you're going to knock helmets. And, you know, that's got to change. I, I would not put my uh, kids into football if, uh, if they were little and I knew what was going on now. I think there is kind of a shift, you know, especially now with, you know, my friends. That, you know, our friends that are having kids and yeah. just we have more information. We have more information and we know and we've seen what happens when, I mean, I had kids that they grew up in. They were destined to play soccer because their father told them they're going to play soccer. Right. And not only were they going to play soccer, but they're going to kick the ball 600 times before they got dinner. And then they were going to, you know, their whole life was soccer. Yeah. And some of them are very resentful for that, you know, and like they didn't have a chance to play multiple different sports right. to be able to experience, you know, being on different teams, learning different skills. And, it's tough. You know, it's, but then you've got the, you've got the fathers that are, uh, you know, Tiger Woods father. And yeah. then they point at that and they go, well, look at. That's what being a hard ass gets you. Or it you just do that. Every kid's different and you have to know what kid you can do that. Thank so yeah, I have three yeah, sons yeah. and it's like, look, I know not the, the, there's highly unlikely that they're going to play professional sports. Yeah. And you know, we, ha- I'm going to push my kids. Don't fucking kid yourself. Yeah. What they're doing. I'm, I'm, I'm going to push them, but we're going to figure out what they like. Yeah. And we're going to put them in uncomfortable situations. Yeah. In that whatever they they like, and it's but it's like we're just going to help them and guide them, and I'm not going to be a militant guy saying okay, you know the 600 uh, kicks a day, but we're going to try hard. And yeah, we're, we're going to do the best we can. So isn't it crazy? I, I say this all the time to to Kelly, my wife. We made these three kids, these three people. They could not be more different. They came from the exact same genes. You hope, could you hope not so. be. I, well, I, I believe so. <laughs> I, believe so. <laughs> I believe so. I mean, here's what I know. I know that at least they came out of Kelly. I was there for that. <laughs> right. I believe they got in there because of me. But, right. uh, no. But but they're so different. They yeah. are completely different people. But the one thing you can't you can't influence how they look, uh, or or you know that kind of stuff. Or their attitudes and stuff. We can affect their heart and and how they approach the world and if they become loving caring people and that's my goal i wanted to make nice human beings and i think we've really done that that's that's awesome because that's one of my biggest goals you know you find so much more out of positivity than you do negativity yeah it's uh something that we're working on as parents for more of a positive parenting yeah um, it's you any book you ever read or anything you ever hear from you know physicians or doctors that talk about kids it's never like you need to be more negative with them like no, you need to be more reassuring to them you need to let them know that it's okay if my kid wants to wear pink shorts and crazy <laughs> shoes like that light up that i fucking think are nerdy like let them rock it it makes him feel good it gives him confidence like go for it bud yeah. like i can't 
make because I wouldn't wear it. Right. You know, I'm like, dude, go go do what you do. You yeah. know, and, and the smiles on their faces. I mean, that's here's the here's the real the real payoff is when they're at other people's homes, you know, for an overnight or sleep mm-hmm. or whatever it is, uh, and then they come back and then the parent calls and says, "I love your kid. Yeah. Love your kid. That's what you want." It's one thing they're going to be hopefully great around you. They won't be perfect, but they're going to be good around you because they know you have those expectations. But does it translate when they leave the comfort and security of your home and are now in the wild? Because think about what we're doing. We've made these people and we're raising them and we're teaching them, hopefully, to go out into the big world and be great people out there, be good citizens of this planet. It starts little when they're little, yeah. you know, on the sleepover and stuff like that. But then it, it becomes a bigger thing. And there's a lot of people that it's are a, not. It's incredible just having a son that's one years old, yeah. watching him watch me and knowing my friends that are dads that have children. They watch everything. <clears throat> And like he's he he sees what I'm doing, so he knows if I'm if I'm upset, he can sense that I'm absolutely. If I'm happy, if I'm singing a song, if I'm dancing in the hallway, he's dancing in the hallway. They learn from watching what we do, and they get very. And we we take for granted what those little eyes and ears pick up. Oh, right. But it's way more than we think it is. And it's how I treat my wife is going to set the tone for how he's going to treat women. so true now you can see how how people that come from divorce often end up in that situation themselves because that's all they know mm-hmm. they're not consciously uh displaying bad behavior but it's in them because that's all they've seen yeah. well man well, we've gone deep today deep, yeah I, deep shit, behind the smoke that was a good one that was that was good i'm uh, covered a lot of ground let's right. let's lighten it up are those emmys real the ones that not not tacos. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They're real, oh, of course. So you get how many tacos, and then you get an Emmy. <laughs> you don't get any. To go. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but those were so when I first started getting Emmys, and those were a couple. Of the first one, the base, the top part, the like the lady holding that ball, uh-huh. all the from the base up, not including the base, has always been the same. But regional Emmys, which those are considered, had a rectangular base, which is what those two in the store are. Got it. A few years ago, they changed everybody's, even nighttime, like, you know, Modern Family wins. The Emmy they get is the exact same as, you know, a half a dozen of the ones or eight of the ones I have at home. The base, they're now only one Emmy statuette. But I took two of the old ones because I knew people weren't going to know. They'd look up and go, oh, I think those are Emmys. Right. Nobody's going to judge the base unless no. you've won an Emmy before. You have me convinced. Okay. They are real. No, they're <laughs> absolutely real Emmys. They just have the old base on That's them. That's actually so. more impressive. Yeah. I could have I could have paid 150 bucks an Emmy to have the new base put on, but why would I do that? So uh, you're excited for Del Mar? <clears throat> Turf and Surf? Barbecue Turf and Surf. Haven't figured out yet. Yeah. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm looking forward to but eating you're going to do, do a cook- cooking, cooking demo. demo. Just like last last couple of years. Yep. Absolutely. Cooking demo. People come. We'll make something. They can eat it. I don't know what to... what to. I've got Tommy from Catalina gave me this great camp chef stove. Okay. It's it's a, a flat... Uh, like a flat, flat top. Goes over two of the burners. And then there's a separate burner just for pots or, you know, walks or whatever you want to do. Hmm. So I'll probably bring that and do something fun with that. By the way, awesome. three little Camp Chef commercial, three 30,000 BTU burners on this thing. Really? That 30, is a 000? lot of three 30,000 BTU burners wow. each. 
Each one's 30,000. My kitchen, I think the world has 20,000. <laughs> no, ex- my house too. Yeah. I don't have that kind of power. That's crazy. Yeah. It's amazing. You can cook anything on this thing. Yeah. And it folds up in a in a wheel wheel toting bag. Awesome. It's like 300 bucks. Well, we're uh we're so honored to have you participating in that yeah, event. It you. means the world. I I was really bummed when I thought you had a wedding you had to go to and you couldn't my, be there. I don't have Derek's <laughs> scheduling. Yeah, you need, we need to get, we need to get you some big calendars. What's uh, how many uh, how many guys going to be there? How many so people, uh, right guys, now we many? have fifty two Kansas City Barbecue Society teams 56. that are signed up. And how many 56. last year? How many Ooh, last year? Even better. Uh, we had forty nine. Shit. Fifty two yeah. have paid. Fifty-six yep. total. We'll 56. have six. Wow. We'll have we'll have sixty. We capped it at sixty. So fifteen thousand wow. dollars in prizes that they're going to be competing for. That's amazing. Yeah, that's then, amazing. Uh, we'll have five uh, seafood restaurants. We're going to have five dessert restaurants, ten barbecue restaurants, and ten PC teams serving to the public. And where's the uh, where's the judging done? Uh, judging will be done on site. Yeah, yeah right tent. on site in the tents. Mm-hmm. We're that that hundred hundred teams. They were. Uh, uh, hundred teams, hundred judges, hundred judges, hundred judges, all packed completely. Uh, we have Big Green Egg. They're yeah. going to do a huge Big Green Egg experience, which is going to be really rad. Wow! Uh, Doctor Barbecue Ray Lampy, he's yeah. going to be out here for that weekend, and he's actually opening his first restaurant right now. So he's the fact that he's coming out here for Big Green Egg. Um, That's amazing. I'm sure he's going to huh? be pretty stressed out about yeah, what's bet. happening uh, down back back in Florida with his restaurant. But he's going to be out there doing cooking demos. We have Scott Kaplan, Mighty 1090. Ben Higgins is going to be out there. Scott can't cook. No, no but he's trying. He got a big green egg. He got a big green egg. Oh, he does. And ben, ben Higgins has a big green egg, too. Yeah, nice. So, the, yeah, the big green egg family's and growing. Jim Trotter. Jim Trotter does as well. Uh, U.S. Foods has been real, real, real awesome to work with. Yeah, they've been awesome, man. Uh, U.S. Foods, the the way that we're going to vote this year, they're coming Woo! up with the algorithm, and we're going to be able to do it online on wow. your phones. So really? You can, yeah. So instead of paying, like, so this year is going to be all you can eat. So you yeah. pay you pay a fee, come in, yeah. you get all all the samples you want. Got it. You can go on your phone then and then vote. So there's not going to be any tickets. There's not going to be any tokens. Oh, that's easy. That's easy. That's so it'll easy. just be a lot yeah. easier for everybody. Look, involved. of course, it's a great event if you're a barbecue geek, right? right? Yep. Come in, see what the best people in the business are doing. Mm-hmm. But I think it's an amazing event if you're just starting to think about even getting into barbecue. Yep. You'll be blown away by what you can learn just by standing back and watching. And the, cra- the thing I love about this barbecue community is how willing everybody is to share and talk. Yeah. It's, it's, not like, it's not like, get out of here, kid. This is a secret. I'm not going to tell you anything. Right. Any of these guys will take the time, unless they're you know, 40 people deep in their line and they're mm-hmm. in the weeds trying to serve. But anybody will, will take a minute to talk to you. you. You know, I like your food. Any suggestions? I'm just getting in. That kind of thing. You can go to 40 people and get 40 suggestions that probably all make sense yeah. and all things that you should do. I think one of the coolest things is how many people have been on this podcast that participate in that event that yeah. you can, you know, go and talk to Fern's Barbecue. You can talk to Juicy Brucey, you know, Pork Belly's Barbecue, Hot Sauce, <laughs> and more. Brazen Coops. Yeah. Who's the Andy. furthest, uh, furthest uh, traveling uh, barbecue team so far? Arizona, I think. Yeah, Arizona. Well, we uh, actually, our social shout out for this week, um, every week, Tag us in your behind the smoke uh, photos hashtag. Um, it's Mudville Barbecue, and they are going to be competing for the first time, and they're coming down from Stockton, mm. Stockton, California. Nice. KCBS team, um, proud member Mudville Barbecue. Thank you for listening to the show. We're fired up to have you out in Del Mar. Um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome event. I, I'm I. 
<laughs> I can't believe it's Santa Monica here. Seafood, man. They Santa Monica yeah, Seafood. I just, I just up saw up you big. announce that. That's yeah, huge. They're going to be big for us. Yeah, they're Derek really stepped up big with Chevis. That was uh, Chevishima, the vice president over there. And so, what does that mean? They they're doing. How do they? So the five restaurants, we're going to give them food. We're going to give uh, all the other teams some seafood as well. To yeah. they can either grill it, they can barbecue it, however they want to prepare it. Yeah. Um, and then with the five restaurants, um, we're going to be giving out a lot of different seafood. So if someone wants to come, they don't have. They don't want barbecue or, or smoke stuff. You know, I think we might do some pokey just to pass out. Yeah. There might be some ceviches there. So for the person that doesn't want it or is a, a vegetarian or a piscatarian, yeah, yeah. what's it, piscatarian? Piscatarian. Yeah. Um, they can come out and, and try it. So it's a more of a – it opens up the – the demographic of who yeah. can come out. And yeah, I mean, we talked stuff. about it. Maybe, we said, I should, maybe I should do seafood then. Yeah, we said awesome. we, you know, we want to make this the Breeders' Cup of barbecue championships. Yeah. You know, something that's unique to Del Mar to sure. the entire world, and opening up to seafoods is a huge category for We're us. We're looking you know? at maybe getting a swordfish, a full swordfish, and butchering it there. Yeah, and that would it, be right. I, I, I say that I should probably shouldn't say that because I don't know <laughs> if it's going to happen or not. Okay, so I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> this last time, but butchering this swordfish just gave me gave me a thought. So our YouTube community. Community, mm-hmm. uh, the Sam the Cooking Guy channel has grown like ridiculously in the past four or five months. We're just it's awesome. Like at hundred, almost one hundred twenty thousand subscribers now. Really? Oh shit! It's crazy. That's amazing. It's you am- were at like twenty five thousand the last time you were on. I there. know. That's I don't insane. know. I think I know what happened. I mean, I think the work is looking great, but the recipes were down. They're averaging about five minutes, and that's what people want. Right. And there's just a jillion comments, and it's 120,000 subscribers. That's amazing. You get a plaque from YouTube with a silver <laughs> uh, play button on it. That's rad. I know it's crazy, but there's something that I've always wanted to do, never quite got it done with the TV show. And you're the perfect guy to do this. I want to take uh, half of a cow mm-hmm. and have it wrapped or not wrapped. I, I would say wrap it in the pieces like they'd be butchered. Um, in saran and then lay it out on a table in the way it would be like looking like it was on the animal yeah it's a great 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 idea we've we've done it before we've, yeah i've been flown out to wisconsin before to, yeah. to do that um we did it a little bit differently we basically broke it all down yeah. and then put it in pieces so it still looked like the cow afterwards yeah. Um, we've never done it before, but it's it's. But something. I want I want people to. I see people in the supermarket standing at the meat case, looking mm-hmm. in like you know, like deer in the headlights. Right. No clue what anything is, what they should buy. Often they're just buying off of the numbers, which is a huge mistake. Right. I say it all the time. I would rather have one great steak once a month than a shitty steak once a week. Yeah. Right. You really do most of the time get what you pay for, but visually. I think it's important for people to get a sense of if that piece of meat is right by the front legs that are always moving, it's going to be a muscly piece and it's going to be harder to eat. It's not going to be nearly as tender as the tenderloin that's protected by ribs and stuff right Mm -hmm. on top of it. So I think it would be a cool thing to do. And I've got this giant ass audience. I'm sure they'd love to see it. Yeah. No, we, we, uh, we do 
at Big Green Egg, the Egg Fest, yep. I, yes. I broke down a pig. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had a little thing where I showed everyone basically the same thing. Like, where's it coming from? Where's the St. Louis coming from? Where's yeah. the baby back coming See, from? Where's the uh, picnic? Yeah. Why do they call it a pork shoulder when it's up front? Yeah, I know. Uh, exactly. Or why do they call it a butt when it's on the front? It's yeah. like, well, it's the butt of the shoulder. So you take it off and show yeah. them where it's at. And See, I don't think people need to. We have that video on Behind the Smoke oh, you do? Facebook page. I, I don't think people need, for my purposes, right. need to see it being broken down. No, because who the no. fuck's going to do that? Exactly. No, I mean, just, how many people are they going to, honey, we're getting a whole <laughs> half this weekend. We're going to get our big knife out. And right. They do that thing. in Bulgaria. And I don't know why I did that accent. It's, like, <laughs> it's not a Bulgarian maybe accent. that's the person that's going to be, be doing that. But to see that all laid out, mm-hmm. that would be cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. And like you said, it really shows what... Yeah. muscles are weight bearing yes and what yes, aren't yes, what need yes. to be broken down more yes, why they yes, need to be broken down yes. where it's at on the loin yeah. why is it more tender towards the chuck those things you can talk about yeah we can definitely figure that okay, out cool. for sure that's exciting well yeah. make sure you uh, buy tickets because uh, right now they're at a discount um general admission tickets and the vip tickets also the you have a chance to win a mini max big green egg mini max oh, if nice. you vote so Big Green Egg stepped up and U.S. Foods, and they're helping us to figure cool. out a way. As long as you vote for best barbecue restaurants, best PC, best dessert, best seafood, you get entered into a contest. You can win a $600 Mini Max Big Green Egg. And by the way, depending um, on what I make, you can't vote for me, so I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but you can go to Not Not Tacos. But you can come to Not Not Tacos yes. and, and have some. Yeah, I will yeah. be there tomorrow. Yeah. I am going. I'm going to have one of each. Has anyone done that yet and finished it? No, did you see that one order that I? I did I see that order. That was, it was great. Like Forty-two tacos, <laughs> and a whole bunch of uh, restaurant people said we can fix the way it prints, so it doesn't say short rib, short rib, short rib. It just says like five short right. rib, yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh. good. Little we, things we, got that it, we got it. We, we got it figured out. Yeah. Thank you to uh, Corey, producer Brian, uh, Sam, for your time coming My back, pleasure, first guys. time repeat guest uh knocked it out of the park i think we touched we touched a couple different topics what but, didn't we touch right. yeah thank you guys for listening to the podcast we'll be back uh, next week with ben and shelly higgins uh talking more big green egg hey guys this is sean and derek and we just really want to thank you for listening to the podcast it means the world to us We'd like you to go check out BehindTheSmokeMedia.com. That's our website where we have barbecue resources for you to help build your barbecue business. Uh, We also have events listed, so anything that's happening in the West Coast barbecue movement, uh, anything that's going on, we want you to go check that out so you can learn more and get involved. We also have show notes uh, from all the episodes, so anything we talked about in the episodes, you can find detailed show notes there. Um, Plus, you can just get in touch with us. It's important that uh, we're here as a resource for you. So please reach out. Let us know how Derek and I can help you with your barbecue journey. Uh, Get involved. Stay curious. And uh, follow us on social at Barbecue War Stories. Uh, We'll talk to you soon.